0: Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we explore the composer Aaron Copeland and his groundbreaking ballet music for Rodeo. This is one of Copland's more famous ballets written for and choreographed by the renowned American dance legend Agnes DeMille. Some of its music was made widely popular through an advertising campaign which used the slogan beef it's what's for dinner. And this ballet will be the opening concert of our season here at Armstrong Auditorium. So stick around as we explore a great American ballet not known for its tutus and pointe shoes but its Stetson hats and cowboy boots. Today on Music for Life. As our show's tagline states, we are helping to enhance the Armstrong Experience, the world-class performing arts series here at Armstrong Auditorium. This season, we are exploring the music to be performed on the various concerts throughout the season, Our season opens Thursday, September 14th with the Oklahoma City Ballet. They will be performing Igor Stravinsky's Firebird, re-choreographed by the company's artistic director, and they are also performing Copland's beloved Rodeo Ballet, music from which I would like to discuss here today. As I said in our season preview episode, you may have heard the title of this ballet pronounced Rodeo. It was fashionable at one time to use the French pronunciation of this title, and it in fact still is acceptable. I'm going to stick with the American Rodeo. So let's explore the score of this charming production and musical masterpiece. And I hope, even if you can't make it to these Armstrong performances, that you will enjoy our discussions of these great masterpieces being featured on our stage. Before we do that, I have a little time to introduce you to our world class series and auditorium. In our first episode this season, I barely had enough time to introduce you to all the performers for this season and a little bit of a sample of what they'll be bringing. But here's a little background on our performing arts series itself. The series began in the fall of 1998. Since that time, we have been honored to host a prestigious list of concert artists. Performers include Broadway legends Brian Stokes Mitchell and Kelly O'Hara, vocalists Nathan Gunn and Frederica von Stade, pianist Andre Watts and piano quintet The Five Browns, the Berlin Philharmonic Wind Quintet, the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields, the Romero Guitar Quartet, the Canadian Brass, the Vienna Boys Choir, the Russian National Ballet, jazz legends Branford Marsalis and trumpeter Doc Severinsen, among many, many others. Armstrong Auditorium itself opened in the fall of 2010. This offered a fitting home for the fine performances we had been presenting already. The building itself is a visual work of art with Austrian crystal, French candelabra, Spanish and Chinese marble, American cherry, Azerbaijani onyx, Brazilian granite, and so much more. Two Steinways, manufactured in Hamburg, Germany, provide an incomparable experience for the pianists who grace our stage. Local periodicals have called our building a crowning achievement, utterly stunning, a cultural jewel, jaw-dropping, and the OKC Friday publication said, "Oklahomans are slowly recognizing that they no longer have to travel to Europe for the finest in the performing arts. One of the world's greatest cultural centers is right here." That was from an article titled "Armstrong Auditorium Rivals European Palaces." The 823-seat theater represents some of the finest acoustical mathematics in the world. And we are thrilled to continue in this upcoming season our mission to champion Oklahoma as a world-class center for the arts by bringing these monumental cultural experiences to America's heartland. So now let's get into our exploration of Aaron Copland's ballet, Rodeo, or Rodeo. Before we discuss this work specifically, let me remind our listeners about some vital details about Aaron Copeland that will help in our discussion today. Aaron Copeland was born in 1900 and died in 1990, a life that spanned the start of the 20th century all the way to the end of the Cold War, basically. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and became one of America's most important composers, writing an array of symphonic compositions, film music, ballets, and so much more. As we've talked about on this program before, he was responsible for helping to establish the American sound in fine art music. If you recall, the late 19th century composer Antonin Dvorak had visited America and encouraged its composers to establish a unique voice in their work. He got the ball rolling, supposedly, by writing his New World Symphony, which we've also discussed at length on this program. What he did was look at the folk influences that were unique to America and infused them into his Ninth Symphony. But this didn't become a common thing in American fine art music until Aaron Copland. Copland was in his early 20s studying composition in France, With Nadia Boulanger, this influential French teacher, a composer of the Impressionist style who taught many great American musicians, from Philip Glass to Quincy Jones, she encouraged her American composition students to find a purely American style. Copland looked back across the Atlantic at some of the jazz elements developing in American music. His attempts to fuse this style with his concert music weren't as successful, though, as he'd hoped. His music was quite complex for the average listener and nearly too difficult even for the trained musician to play. A little later, though, he visited Mexico and was inspired by the prevalent musical culture among the common folk. He wrote an orchestral piece inspired by this trip using Mexican folk tunes titled El Salón México. When Aaron Copland fused Mexican folk music into his symphonic writing in El Salón, Mexico, to much success, it became evident to him how he could make his American music more accessible, and that was to incorporate American folk music into his concert music. So that's what he did. He did this in a ballet called Billy the Kid, which uses folk tunes from familiar folk songs like Get Along Little Dogies and Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie. The most famous example of Aaron Copland borrowing a pre-existing tune associated with the American culture is his use of the Shaker hymn Simple Gifts in the middle of his ballet Appalachian Spring. That was the Simple Gifts theme and variation section of Aaron Copland's ballet, Appalachian Spring. Aaron Copland developed an American sound in his compositions by drawing from folk or hymn tunes that Americans would be familiar with. Giving his music an American feel became even far more important for him later in life. He would use this method of composition as a means of proving his patriotism and loyalty to America as the Red Scare started to spread through the country. See, his parents had immigrated from a region that was communist-influenced, and so he came under scrutiny as to whether he was a communist or not. But his music proved that he was American through and through. His ballet, Rodeo, would certainly be among those works which could prove that. It uses a variety of familiar American melodies. Copeland wrote this work in 1942 for Agnes DeMille. Let's talk about her here briefly first. Agnes DeMille was born in Manhattan in 1905 and died in 1993, a life that spanned almost the same time frame as Copeland himself. She grew up in a theatrical family. Her father was a Broadway playwright and screenwriter, and her uncle was the famous movie director, Cecil B. DeMille. Agnes felt from a young age that she was destined to become an artist, according to her memoir, Where the Wings Grow. She was inspired at a young age to become a dancer, and she and her sister trained at local ballet schools. After graduating cum laude from the University of California with an English major at age 19, Agnes' mother took her to New York to continue pursuing dance. She began choreographing in her 20s. She made her mark, however, in 1942 when she choreographed Aaron Copland's ballet score to Rodeo. The original score by Copland and the unconventional movements mimicking things like square dancing, steer roping, and bull riding made this ballet immensely popular. It was the first to incorporate tap dance. Rodeo popularized a unique American ballet style and weakened claims that ballet should be left to the Europeans. DeMille herself performed the lead role of The Cowgirl in the first season of its showing. This premier performance at the Metropolitan Opera House had 19 curtain calls. Her success led to her earning the gig as choreographer for the 1943 musical Oklahoma. She incorporated ballet into that story rather than making dance just a diversion from it. She also choreographed the movie version of this musical, which was released in 1955. Her litany of honors and awards included New York City's prestigious Handel Medallion, two Tony Awards, an Emmy, and 17 honorary degrees from U.S. colleges and universities. She was appointed by President John F. Kennedy as a member of the National Endowment for the Arts in 1965, becoming the first chairman of its dance panel. She wrote over a dozen books and was elected to the Theatre Hall of Fame in 1973. But again, one of her most important contributions was arguably the ballet we are discussing here today, and it was inarguably, as we said, her first great success. According to the New York Times, rodeo constituted an affirmation that American subject matter could be treated in balletic terms, and that it could be successfully interpreted by dancers of many nationalities. Again, this refuted claims that ballet could not be as successful in America as it was where it originated, Europe. Aaron Copland's score, with its use of American tunes, lent itself to creating this purely American atmosphere. So let's listen to the music from this ballet. We will hear it in the form of what's called a ballet suite. See, when a composer writes ballet music, the score is typically instrumental. That means the music could be performed in a concert setting by a symphony orchestra without the dancing, of course, not every single moment of the ballet would always lend itself to a concert minus the dancing, so composers would often repackage the orchestral score of a ballet to work more into this setting, taking the more salient musical moments from the work and putting them together in a slightly abridged format, what is known as a ballet suite. And so often what you'll find when listening to a ballet score in a concert or on a recording is that you are listening to the orchestral suite that the composer has put together from the ballet. This is what Aaron Copland did with Rodeo. Both the ballet and the concert suite are divided into four musical scenes. In the suite, Copland shortens each of these scenes by omitting some of the transitional music, but we will listen to these four scenes in the order that both the ballet and the suite are in. The recording I have is of Eric Kunzel conducting the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra. The four movements are Buckaroo Holiday... Corral Nocturne, Saturday Night Waltz, and then the famous Hoedown. Before we play some of this, here's a quick synopsis of the plot. The story is centered around the life of a cowgirl raised at Burnt Ranch. The opening movement introduces us to a rodeo at the ranch. Here, the cowgirl is trying to catch the eye of the head wrangler, but he is, to her dismay, infatuated with the rancher's daughter as are the rest of the cowboys. The cowgirl tries to impress the head wrangler by attempting to ride a bucking bronco, but only finds disaster. In the second movement, Corral Nocturne, the music expresses her state of sadness. Her isolation is further solidified in the following movement, Saturday Night Waltz, where she finds herself alone as all those around her pair up. Finally, in the last movement, the tomboyish cowgirl puts on a dress and attracts the attention of the men, not just the head wrangler, but also the champion roper. Stories differ from company to company, but the ballet climaxes with a kiss between the cowgirl and either the head wrangler or the champion roper. As we discuss the music now, I want to draw a lot of attention to the American folk themes that Aaron Copeland uses throughout this work. In the grand opening movement, Buckaroo Holiday, Copeland uses the percussion and brass to evoke the idea of galloping horses. The cowboys enter the action during Copeland's quotation of this railroad tune called Sis Joe. Our main character, the cowgirl, tries to get the attention of the boys during the tune If He'd Be a Buckaroo. We hear it stated by the trombone. Here's how the original folk tune goes. Copeland plays with both this tune and Sis Joe and layers them throughout this movement. Let's listen to that here. The opening movement of the suite or the opening scene of the ballet, Buckaroo Holiday. We'll You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In this episode, we are exploring the composer Aaron Copeland and his groundbreaking ballet music for Rodeo. Rodeo will be performed at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, September 14th as we kick off the concert season with the Oklahoma City Ballet. Even if you can't make it to these Armstrong performances, I hope you will enjoy our discussions of these great masterpieces this season on Music for Life, Aaron Copland's quintessential cowboy ballet being one such masterpiece. We just heard Buckaroo Holiday, the opening scene of the ballet, and the opening movement of the suite that Aaron Copland condensed for concert settings and recordings. We are listening to a recording of the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra under the baton of Eric Kunzel. This is the part of the story where the cowgirl tries to get the attention of the head wrangler. She does so by trying to ride a bucking bronco, but getting thrown down, making a fool of herself. In that movement, we heard two American folk tunes quoted by Aaron Copeland, Sis Joe and If He'd Be a Buckaroo. The next movement of the suite is called Corral Nocturne, and it represents the melancholy cowgirl. This is represented musically by the solo wind instruments, but also the use of 5 beat per bar meter, which has an asymmetry to it that depicts this mood appropriately, I think. Agnes de Mille said this about this scene. She runs through the empty corrals, intoxicated with space, her feet thudding in the stillness. And in this one we hear another quotation of the Sis Joe tune. Here's Corral Nocturne. We just heard Corral Nocturne, the second scene of the ballet Rodeo and the second movement of that ballet's concert suite. We are listening to a recording of the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra and conductor Eric Kunzel. Corral Nocturne is the part of the ballet meant to depict the cowgirl's loneliness and sadness, as a nocturne would represent night music, so this piece depicts her roaming through the empty corrals at night. In that movement, we heard the forlorn mood represented by the solo winds and the asymmetrical 5 beat per bar meter pattern. We're listening to the ballet suite here. As stated earlier, this is where the composer takes the ballet's instrumental music and condenses it into a concert format. In Copland's case, most of the ballet's music remains intact. He cuts some of the transitional music, which is what would happen next in the ballet, called the ranch house party. That's cut from the suite. This is where the cowgirl finds herself left out when everyone else on the ranch attends the party. This scene is represented by a challenging barroom piano solo, supposedly written by a contemporary of Copland, Leonard Bernstein, which he wrote as a gift to his mentor, Copland. Here's a little of this honky-tonk music in this transitional scene. This is from a different recording, one of the L.A. Philharmonic under Zubin Mehta. This ranch house music restates themes from the corral Nocturne movement and leads right into the next movement of the suite titled Saturday Night Waltz. This movement further solidifies the cowgirl's isolation as everyone around her pairs up for the dance, but she is all alone until another leading male, the champion Roper, approaches her and they dance to the tune of the folk song I Ride an Old Paint. That folk song sounds like this. Now, as we listen to Saturday Night Waltz, you might notice the opening bars sound like fiddles tuning up. Copeland does this by playing certain intervals known as fifths. That's how a violin or fiddle tunes up. I have a violin right here, and if I play uh, the four strings one at a time, you hear these open fifths. That's how far apart the notes are, as we call it. Now, I'm not a violinist, but you can get the idea. So when a violinist tunes up, they sometimes play these two strings together at the top. And then the two strings here, the two middle strings, and then the two bottom strings. So a lot of times when violins are tuning, you'll hear all these pitches going on. And this violin needs to be tuned a little bit. So anyway, that's an idea of what the um, orchestra is imitating. So let's hear this Saturday Night Waltz movement. And this is back to our recording of Eric Kunzel and the Cincinnati Pops. You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we have explored the composer Aaron Copeland, the choreographer and dancer Agnes DeMille, and the groundbreaking music and choreography for the ballet Rodeo. Rodeo will be performed at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, September 14th, as we kick off the concert season with the Oklahoma City Ballet. We just heard Saturday Night Waltz, the third scene of the ballet and the third movement of the suite that Aaron Copland condensed for concert settings and recordings. We have been listening to a recording of Eric Kunzel conducting the Cincinnati Pops. Saturday Night Waltz is the part of the ballet where the cowgirl finds herself alone as all those around her pair up though she does end up being rescued in her loneliness by the champion roper, not the head wrangler whom she'd been trying to impress. In that movement, we heard the sounds of fiddles tuning, represented by the open fifth intervals played by the strings. We also heard a quotation of the folk tune, I ride an old paint. And we also hear, of course, a three beat per bar pattern, as we would expect in any waltz. The next and final movement of the suite is called Hoedown, and it represents the part of the story where the tomboyish cowgirl puts on a dress and attracts the attention of the men, including the head wrangler and the champion roper. This movement uses tunes from two American square dance tunes, Bonaparte's Retreat and "McLeod's Reel. The traditional Irish tune Gilderoy is also heard briefly. Bonaparte's Retreat goes like this... McLeod's reel sounds like this. And Gilderoy sounds like this. All these work together in various layering to add to the excitement of this final movement. We will end our program by hearing this famous final movement. Again, this is the ballet to be performed on our exciting season opener here at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, September 14th. More information can be found about our series at armstrongauditorium.org. You can like Armstrong Auditorium on Facebook, or you can follow it on Twitter at ArmstrongAud. Odd. You can also like Music for Life on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at music for life pcg we will also include information about these upcoming concerts in our show notes on itunes and soundcloud i'd like to give special thanks and mention to alexa turgeon and seth malone for helping me write and compile this episode so as promised here is the final movement of aaron copeland's rodeo hoedown and i hope to see you soon at armstrong